All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. We continue to creep closer to deadline day. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. He is our Daily Faceoff NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, and we are ready for 30 minutes of straight hockey talk. Frank, welcome back to the show. You missed a crazy couple days. Was it that crazy? No, not really. Just a lot of talk about guys getting healthy scratch for trade-related reasons, which I know you would have loved to discuss, though. Uh, let's keep the deadline talk going, though. So two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And, you know, yesterday was Valentine's Day. So February 15th, I felt like it was fitting to give out a little tough love. You know, you wake up the day after. I, I just feel like this lines up. Some GMs who are maybe looking at their situation and maybe their fans are holding out hope that, hey, we can get back into the playoff race or we're in the playoff race. We want our GM to just get us another piece or two to push us right in. I think there's some, though, who have to look in the mirror and say, we just don't got it this year. And the team I want to start with, Frank, is the Nashville Predators. And before we give our thoughts on it, I thought it was interesting to listen to their GM, David Poyle, the other day on Robbie and Rex Road in Nashville, who had some interesting comments ahead of the deadline. Would you have to be in in a much worse position mathematically uh, by that day or by that direct time period to seriously consider selling? Uh, that's what keeps me up at night. Or, you know, right now we're, you know, we're still below the line, not in the playoffs or uh, running out of time. Uh, just like this interview, I've been talking about inconsistency and people, uh, need to play better, but that hasn't happened on a regular basis. So, uh, I, I do not think we're a buyer. Let's, let's start with that. And I think if things don't, you know, change more favorably and get in some kind of winning streak, we are certainly could be a, could be a seller, but that's not today. 
interesting stuff from David Poyle Frank saying we are not going to be a buyer. I also like design of that's what keeps me up at night as the Preds sit outside of the playoffs. Should David Poyle be considering, you know, not just not being a buyer, but also going into maybe a full on sell mode? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's something that he's obviously wrestled with for a while now. Going back to early January, that's when I believe the Preds for the first time engaged in some discussions about, hey, if someone like Matthias Ekholm were on the table, what would a deal look like? And so I think they've been having flirtations with being a seller. Every time it looks like this team's out of it, they go on and win three games and kind of sucks David Poyle and the Preds and their fans right back into it. And that makes it difficult. But Here's the argument I would make from a 30,000-foot view is that let's say this team is able to get in. Does anyone really look at the uh, the Nashville Predators as a contender? I, I don't. Uh, and the difficult part about being a seller is you look at the term and contracts that they have on their books. There's only a select few number of players. I think even Ekholm at this point with that term might be a little bit difficult to trade because people are looking at Ryan McDonough, another guy on their blue line, saying geez, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning move away from them. I'll give you a couple names to consider if indeed the Preds decide to go down the seller path. One is Mikhail Granlin. I think with all of the different aspects of the game that he touches, including penalty kill, uh, at $5 million a year for the next couple years, there would certainly be interest there. I think uh, some lower level interest than that in someone like Nito Niederreiter, 30 years old, uh, four and a half million bucks. Tanner Janot is a guy who's going to have an interesting RFA case, uh, hitting 24 goals last year, but has just five. And I would imagine that the Preds would probably also be looking in that case, or at least flirting with the idea of moving like someone like Dante Fabro on their back end. Interesting stuff. Quickly, 30 seconds or less. I was looking out east. A team in a similar spot is Detroit, but they actually have some more pieces they can move off. Does Iserman maybe need to look at David Poyle and say, yeah, we might both have to sell off? Yeah, it seems like those two franchises are in totally different spots. Uh, yeah. The Red Wings are building up and the Preds are probably in a spot where they need to begin to tear down. But, you know, we all have kept our eyes on Dylan Larkin, but Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that would have a ton of interest out there based on the season he had last year and the style with which he plays certainly would bring a lot of bite to your lineup. Uh, and after that, um, Oli Mata on the back end. A lot of teams have asked me in the last few weeks, how big of a gap is there between Oli Mata and Vladislav Gavrikov? And I would make the argument not much, but probably a huge gap in acquisition and asset cost. Interesting stuff. We'll continue the deadline talk in just a second. But let's go to the ice last night where the big story was the big man between the pipes for the Ottawa Senators, Kevin Mandelazy, who stood tall, topping, stopping 46 shots in a shootout victory for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he was just absolutely lights out. And this is, again, one of those heartwarming stories that we get throughout the season. Uh, we got, I think we have a video of just, you know, them winning the shootout. And also what I loved was his family's reaction up in the stands. Like they were just sitting on pins and needles on every single moment of that shootout. It was unreal. Uh, Frank, just what a moment. Yeah, it was. And I love seeing stuff like that for someone like Kevin Mandelazy and, and all the things that he's been through in his career. I thought it was interesting to hear um, Senators coach after the game, DJ Smith, saying essentially what impressed him most about Mandelazy was that the moment wasn't too big for him. This is a guy that spent time in the ECHL this season, not three years ago, not six years ago. This hasn't been a you know slow build to get to this point. 
for a kid who was born in Ottawa, raised in Quebec, uh, this is certainly a moment that you're never going to forget. You get thrown into action. You know, the other thing I loved about this, Tyler, was the rookie lap, the hot lap. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember seeing a goalie get one, uh, but nonetheless, Mandelaze comes in. A uh, huge moment for the Sens, who are just kind of hanging tough in the playoff race. Not really in it, but really not all that far back from a team like the Buffalo Sabres that we've been saying for the last number of weeks are right in it. Yeah, and I made the point yesterday that for this Senators team, just getting important games and playing meaningful hockey down the stretch could be really, really valuable to some of those young pieces. Let's flip this game from last night. If you're an Islanders fan, you're probably sitting here saying, I don't care about this guy. My team just lost back-to-back -back games to the Senators, and we got beat by a no-name goalie in the second game. Uh, it just the Islanders, after grabbing Bo Horvat, I think the pressure kind of kicked up to like, hey, you better, should probably make the playoffs if you're going to go move your first round pick for a guy. Um, but back-to-back -back losses, that is quite the dagger. Yeah, the pressure has ratcheted up, and that's also actually what made it more impressive for the Sens as they mm -hmm. took both games of their back-to-back -back as well. Uh, but the Islanders are in a spot where it looked like they were about to take off after getting Bo Horvat. They start off with two wins. Horvat scores on home ice, and all of a sudden, it looks like this team is finally trending in the right direction. We were just talking about tough love and some of those teams that might be ready to have some really awkward and or difficult conversations I would have included the Islanders in that category had they not gone out and traded for Bo Horvat. You could make the argument that they still need to have that conversation potentially in the summer. But every time you turn around with this Islanders team, it seems to take one step forward and then two steps backward. And that's no way to chase down a Stanley Cup playoff spot. One point back of the Washington Capitals for the final wildcard spot. But the Caps do have a game in hand on the Islanders. It's actually going to be a really interesting playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Yesterday, Mike McKenna and I gave some picks for our matchmakers, Frank, and it was your deadline countdown article up at dailyfaceoff.com that had a couple of eyebrows raised with your mock trades, playing hockey's love doctor. So I want to start with the big name, number one on the trade targets board, Timo Meyer. You put together a deal that has him going to the Carolina Hurricanes, and in return, it's a couple of picks and a couple of prospects. Maybe take us through why this makes sense from a Canes perspective and also that asking price. Okay, so let's start with the asking price. And I've been saying for a long time now that I think the San Jose Sharks, are, despite the incredible season that Timo Meyer is having, that if you look at the framework of the deal that sent Alex to Brinkett from uh, Chicago to the Ottawa Senators, a player who's younger, a player who twice hit 40 goals and had one more season left on his deal before then coming to that massive qualifying offer that Timo Meyer and these other teams are now staring in the face, is that the Sharks are likely to be getting less. So they got a first, second, and third round pick. And the first round pick, most importantly to note, was number seven overall. So in this case, this would be less, but I think that this is probably something of a fair compromise when it comes to San Jose, uh, because they do get a first round pick, they get a second, a pretty decent college prospect in Scott Morrow, who's been close to a point per game uh, in college, and also Jack Drury, someone that's been sort of right knocking on the door of the NHL, has gotten a call up here and there uh, these last couple seasons, and is someone that uh, obviously the Carolina Hurricanes like at a young age to plop into their lineup. 
And when I look at it from Carolina's perspective, what they get obviously is the replacement for Max Pacioretty and then some, someone who's a beast, someone who can put the puck in the net, a true shot threat, in addition to Andrei Svechnikov that they would have in their forward group. And I think he also brings a little bit of a different dynamic that the Canes don't really have in their forward group in the sense that he's got some heft. He's a tough guy to play against at times. He can transport the puck if need be through the neutral zone. So he's certainly an interesting case. And what I like about it from Carolina's perspective is they're thinkers there in that front office. They would appreciate the optionality that comes with what happens to Meyer next. You don't have to deal in absolutes. They don't like to pay guys at their highest premium price, which is what Meyer would be looking at. I think they'd be one of those teams that would be comfortable saying $10 million qualifying offer one year. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, they've got 18 million bucks coming off the books this summer. And they're a team that I could see, you know, either keeping Meyer, re-signing him, signing him to the qualifying offer, or potentially even trading him after using him as a rental and recouping, I don't know, 20%, 25 cents on the dollar from what they traded. And again, there's so much I want to get to with you today, but you also had an interesting Patrick Kane trade idea to the Edmonton Oilers. I think of the Oilers, what they could need, and I think of defense and helping their own end, but going the other way and just saying, hey, maybe we'll outscore our problems with Patrick Kane. Why might this make sense? Yeah, that's exactly it. You just load up and you say, hey, there's room for two Canes in Edmonton, and you put him on a line with either Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid, and you watch this team take off. And I think the return is Xavier Burgo, who is a first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. So you've got a first and a second, plus you have the Chicago Blackhawks take on um, – Yes, I pull Yarvi here, and then you take a fifth-round pick. And since that contract is one that would be needed to roll through a third-party broker with the $10.5 million cap hit, you essentially end up getting Patrick Kane on your books for $2.75 million. Pulley Yarvi's $3 million going the other way takes care of that. And in this case, the biggest hurdle is not going to be the idea of putting Kane into your lineup. It's, does he want to go there? And I would have to think that when he begins to sort through his options now that the Rangers are out, the idea of playing potentially with McDavid and or Dreisaitl would certainly rise to very near the top of that list. Could be fascinating in the days leading up to the deadline. We are 16 days away, so let's get to our trade deadline countdown article for today, Frank. And it's centered around the Minnesota Wild. And their GM, Bill Guerin, has some interesting decisions to make before we get to maybe what they could add ahead of the deadline because it's a team that's right in the middle of a playoff push here. I want to look at maybe what they could subtract in Matt Dumba. Does what they decide to do with Dumba, is that maybe, is it fair to call that the first domino in Bill Guerin's deadline plans? Like if they move him and get that money off the books and get an asset back, that could really change how the wild GM handles things, right? It could. I just don't think that that's exactly the way that they view things. And I think part of the reason for that is Bill Guerin's phone hasn't really been ringing for Matt Dumba. And when that's the case, if someone's going to try and swoop in late and close to March 3rd and say, hey, we'll take Matt Dumba off your hands, he's probably not going to do it and damage his team's own chances because regardless of whatever you think about Matt Dumba, taking someone that's playing somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or 21 minutes a night out of your lineup is going to have a trickle-down effect. So the Wild aren't going to cut off their nose to spite their face, even though they'd probably like to recoup and harvest some assets from Matt Dumba. But at the same time, they're keeping an eye on the playoff picture and how this all might work out. So 
they're in a precarious spot. That team has really struggled on both sides of the all-star break. They're just three, six and one in their last 10. None of those three wins have come in regulation. They've needed overtime or shootout. And more concerning is their reliance on even strength scoring. Um, because I guess you could flip it another way and say what's scary is their reliance on power play scoring because uh, half of their last 20 goals have been scored on the power play. Just nine of those 20 in this 10-game run have been at even strength. So they're a team that struggles at even strength, and they also seem to be one where there's some fragility that's creeping into their game. The fact that they're not scoring at even strength ratchets up the pressure for them on their defense and goaltending. The goaltending hasn't been an issue, but what's shown signs of cracking if you listen to their coach and Dean Evason is their individual decision-making process on pinches and in the neutral zone. So that's been a big, big issue for that team uh, that's led to way too many high danger chances against and chances off the rush. So because they're not scoring as much, every mistake that they make has been magnified. So now they're in the second wild card spot. They're clinging to a playoff position. And how big of a buyer are you going to be if you're Bill Guerin? That's the question he's asking himself. I will say this. Um, I don't think they're going to take a huge swing, but if they do, it will be for a rental. And the reason for that is we know the cap situation that they have ongoing next season uh, with the $14 million committed in buyouts to Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. We know the extension that was signed for Boldy. They don't have a ton of cap space to go around, and they're not going to be taking on players that have term. I don't think in order to try and make this team better in the short term. So reasonably priced rentals would be the place to look. Full story coming up today on dailyfaceoff.com. Let's get to our big segment for the day. It's the number crunch with Cam Sharon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
The Number Crunch brought to you by our friends at Montana's. You can check them out, montanas.ca. Always a pleasure to welcome this guy, Cam Sharon, into the show. And we were talking a little bit about a potential fit for Timo Meyer. Cam, I want you to throw on your general manager cap for just a second here. How would you assess how Timo Meyer fits into an NHL roster and, and whether that would influence, whether you'd pay a premium if you were a GM to get this guy on your team? Well, Meyer's a very interesting player in that he takes a lot of shots uh, uh, based on – he takes a lot of the shots where he's on the ice for. Uh, He takes 35% of the – over the last three years, he's taking 35% of his team's shots when he's on the ice. It's a very difficult way to phrase that, uh, essentially. But that's the highest in the NHL. So we're looking at a player that has a very high shot volume, um, and he's actually, like, quite average in terms of his shooting percentage over this span – He's shooting uh, between 8 and 9%. So he's not really light, lighting things on fire. He's not really as good as, uh, you know, obviously doesn't have the shot of David Pasternak or Tage Thompson or Nick Ehlers, guys that we think of as having a bit more of a, of a better release. So he just he's a guy that has the puck on his stick a lot. And that can lead to some good things and some bad things. He's, the play really does go through him. So I would be really looking for Meyer if I need a player not necessarily a complimentary one, but one that's really going to drive his own line. Um, I think that he's he's kind of a less of a fit on teams that don't really need a trigger ban, um, that that kind of just need a guy to go in and and muck things around on the forecheck, maybe kind of uh, balance out their offensive attack a little bit, especially if it's in the top six. So there are a few teams. I think that Carolina and uh, and Toronto um, are two teams that really makes sense for Meyer from a stylistic standpoint because I think that they do need those big shooters, um, guys that really have the puck on their stick a lot, can transport the puck. And the other thing too is he's just so much of a better fit than other uh, than other wingers that seem to be available. Uh, I was reading Frank's uh, deadline article, uh, the trade, had, trade targets board, and none of the other wingers really appealed to me that much. And that's why I think that you know, San Jose is probably going to get a pretty good return because it's going to force a bidding war because teams aren't going to see a lot of difference makers. He's the only one that really is that difference maker. So, Cam, if there is a bidding war, that means that someone's going to end up losing out. And if you're the GM that misses on Meyer, you were just saying you're looking at the trade targets board and none of them were all that appearing. But, you know, there's some other scoring wingers out there, some rentals, some term. Who would you have your eye on? So I don't think I would tr- – I would pay a first round pick for for any for anyone else on the board or a top prospect and that includes a guy like Kane. Uh the guy that I'm really interested in actually is Ivan Barbashev. So this uh this this graph here is pretty simple. This is just uh points per 60 um 5 on 5 points per 60 from 2022 from uh from the start of, from the covid season up to last year and then this season. You know, everyone's kind of dropped a little bit because they you know, they play on bad teams. That's why they're uh, available at the deadline. Uh, Van Reem's like the only exception, but he's never really been a uh, first-line caliber in terms of his scoring, at least not in the last uh, several years. So Bar- Barbashev is actually the one that's really interesting to me. He He's almost like the opposite to, to Meyer in that he he doesn't take a lot of shots within the zone. It's a lot of playmaking. Um, he really relies on the playmaking. His shot percentage is actually very, very high. He just doesn't take a lot of shots because he's always looking for that extra pass. And he doesn't really touch the puck in the neutral zone or the defensive zone. So he's really kind of that complimentary winger that if you have a good shooter, uh, you know, he, he might be able to, to, in, to increase that guy's, uh, that guy's sh- 
shooting percentage. So he's, you know, he's one guy. Uh, Patrick Kane, uh, I think he's probably a little bit better uh, that on paper than than given credit for. It's just he's also more of a playmaker than a shooter, and he's just played with with guys that don't uh, put the puck in the net all that well. His his numbers when he's on the ice with Seth Jones, someone who's very good at getting him the puck, uh, are actually quite strong. But obviously, he's had a really uh, bad year this year, hit by some injuries. So I wouldn't be paying a premium price. It's kind of if you you know if you're I'm more so waiting towards the end of the deadline. If Chicago hasn't really found a buyer, if they lower their prices, then maybe you take a look. But I think of the of of the list here, uh, and that includes Tyler Bertuzzi, who I just don't see as having the real high end talent as as anyone else on this list. Um, I would say I would say Barbashev is probably my guy, but I'm not paying a premium price for him. Probably just gonna sit back uh, and and maybe uh, hope that I have a couple of top prospects. Uh, waiting on my AHL team to come and fill that gap because you don't want to pay a premium for those complimentary guys. A lot of players that can make a difference for you are already playing on your minor league team. And I think teams need to kind of look for their own uh, AHL teams and understand them better, understand those players, kind of uh, push them up uh, into top six roles uh, at an earlier date. Cam, if you are sitting back and you're a general manager, it's kind of waiting for uh, a low-priced acquisition. A guy on this list here, quickly, uh, Gustav Nyquist. I, I said in a funny way with the injury that he has and him being out for the rest of the regular season and can hop back in with the playoffs and have basically no cap consequence. In my eyes, his value actually went up a little bit. Would you take a swing with a mid-to-late-round pick on Gustav Nyquist to plop into your roster for playoff time? Well, uh, you know, in the COVID season, we actually did that with uh, with a number with another Columbus uh, forward in Riley Nash, and that didn't really work out for us too well. So I'm a little shell shocked on doing stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's an interesting way of of looking at it. And you know, I think I think my you're not going to get the high end value with a guy like Nyquist, um, but you know, he is. Uh, I don't, and I think that you might be also be in a situation where other teams are kind of looking to do a similar thing, but it is an interesting idea. And I always like the look of creating different things, uh, creating different looks and having kind of, having him kind of in as an extra guy to bring in for game two, game three of your series. Not, uh, you know, not, not, a, not a huge difference maker, but obviously I think someone that, that could probably come in, you know, I think that you could probably find an equivalent on your AHL team for a guy like Nyquist. Interesting stuff, as always, going inside the numbers with Cam Sharon, brought to you by our friends at Montana's. This week on our social channels, Daily Faceoff on on Instagram and Twitter, we are getting away a $100 gift card. So go hit them up, find out how you can get a chance to win 100 bones to Montana's. That goes a long way with their lineup of daily deals. Cam, thanks for doing this again this week. We'll, uh, we'll chat next week. Yep. See you later, Tyler and Frank. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. Frank, we've been hearing for months about the third-party broker, and the question we have for you today is, is there an actual sort of algorithm or thought process behind how much these third-party brokers can get based on the amount of money they retain? Yeah, there is. I actually wrote it a couple weeks back as part of our deadline countdown series really early on in the process. 
which third-party brokers could be involved, but also if you take a look at some of the other deals that have been made, there's only been six retained salary transactions involving three teams in NHL history. You can actually map out exactly as I did here, the third-party broker cost in real cash dollars. That's what's important is what is a team actually going to have to pay out in salary, not so much cap space because so many different teams have varying levels of cap space that at some point it all becomes the same. So this is sort of what the chart looks like. If you're retaining $350,000 in that neighborhood, you're probably looking at a fourth, 500,000, a third. One thing to keep in mind, as we look at two of the very biggest cap hits that could potentially be on the move in Kane and Taves at this deadline is they have 10 million, 10.5 in salary cap, but their real cash is way lower. So any team that would get involved in retaining salary for these guys is probably looking in that fourth to fifth round pick range territory unless there's a bidding war of some sorts to get in on it. Um, so it's not going to be exorbitant for a third-party team uh, to get involved in the Kane situation, which is kind of what I mapped out in that matchmaker series with Kane and the Oilers. Interesting stuff. Yeah, so not necessarily the cap hit, but instead the real dollars left on the deal for the remainder of the season, since that's what they would ultimately be keeping. And you can see here a 2025 fifth round pick is what you had mapped out in a potential Patrick Kane trade. Very interesting and something we're going to probably be relying on that chart quite a bit over the next 16 days. Let's move along to our points bet daily bets for today. Two plays that I like on, I'd say, medium-sized slate in the NHL. So let's jump into it, starting with... A little over-under action I got for tonight. Buffalo has been crushing the over as of late. Back-to-back -back wins. And you know what? It's actually been 14 games in a row for them where it's been at least five total goals, Frank. They have been a very high-scoring team. They're going up against a Ducks team that's also hit the over and back-to-back. -back, so I do like the over there. And I also like the New York Rangers tonight. They're taking on the Vancouver Canucks. It's a Rangers team that's won five in a row, covered the puck line in three straight. The Canucks have lost two in a row to the Red Wings. Failed the cover in both of those games. Red hot team, ice cold team. And as you can see, it's a very nice payout. Plus 135 on the Rangers to just win by two or more. I love that spot. And like I said, Buffalo Anaheim over six and a half. The payout there, not as great. But these are two teams that have both seen the overhit in back-to-back -back games. So a couple of really solid spots on tonight's slate. Courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And Frank, we will wrap up in the final minute of the show with a little garbage time. What do you got? Yeah, Tyler, I started my career covering hockey actually in the ECHL rinks with the Trenton Titans nearby here in Philadelphia. And I wanted to give a little love. I always keep an eye on the minor league game to Mike Pellick, who set the ECHL's all-time games played record with the Atlanta Gladiators on Tuesday night. 860 career ECHL games. Wow. That's a lot of games in the coast. That's a ton. And Mike Pellick, he's from, of course, the Pellick family. His brother Adam plays for the New York Islanders. His brother Matt also got a taste of the NHL and played in the AHL and ECHL before ending his career in Europe. Mike, a sixth-round pick of the Los Angeles Kings way back in 2009, 33 years old. He has grinded out a heck of a career. So wanted to give a shout-out to Mike Pellick. Man, that's a lot of time on the bus, Tyler. A lot of crappy meals, a lot of crappy paychecks to play the game that you love. Yeah, I absolutely love stories like this. Guys who are really doing it for the love of the game. Big shout out to Mike Pellick. We would also be remiss, Frank, if we didn't wrap up the show by offering our condolences to Alex Ovechkin and his family. Ovechkin announcing today on Instagram the passing of his father and asking for privacy in this time. Yesterday it was announced he'd be taking a leave from the team. So our condolences to Ovechkin and his family. 
That's going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show. Thanks to everyone who tuned in and was active on the YouTube chat as they have been all week. We'll be back tomorrow noon Eastern with another edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.